You know, if we go to a courtroom now, the philosophy, and I don't know if this has always held true or not, but the philosophy is that you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Can I tell you that when we stand before God, we're guilty until we're proven innocent. We're all guilty. So it is a complete reverse in his courtroom. But he's not out to get you. Hello and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. The coronavirus pandemic has isolated many individuals and families from the rest of the church. Fellowship has been difficult for many of us as we try to prevent spreading infection. There is something profound to be said about fellowship with God and other believers, so join us today as Brother Larry Treadway continues the sermon series entitled Family Fellowship. Welcome back to Portland General Baptist Church. We're having a good time meeting back in church on Sunday mornings and then uh, recording these for our media sites. And glad you joined us today. We're going to continue today in sermon series from 1 John that I've entitled Family Fellowship. And today we'll look at fellowship maintained through advocacy. Advocacy. Boy, it was hard. I got tongue-tied on that one. But in this letter, we, 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 we look at a family fellowship and uh, talked about how we can have a relationship without fellowship, not that closeness that we need to have. And uh, our theme verse is still chapter 1, verse 6. We said, These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. When our joy is full, we're having a right, healthy relationship with God and with others. As a review in week number one, uh, we looked at we can have a fellowship with God uh, and with others through Jesus Christ. And then in week number two, we looked at two conditions for fellowship, how that God is light and that we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then that there's times when we stumble in darkness and when we do, we need to confess our sins. And Jesus then is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of our sins. And today we go and we look at a different idea. We sometimes need defense. And we're going to look at Jesus as our defense attorney, as our advocate. Uh, He is our legal representative, our defense attorney. But what's really neat about this is he's not only our defense attorney, he is also our defense. Uh, and uh, which means, you know, not only is he presenting the evidence, he is the evidence that will be presented. You say, well, how can this be? Well, it's going to be presented today in just uh, two very short verses of Scripture. And we begin in John chapter uh, 2, verses 1, and then verse 2. He said, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, for he is our propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Would you join me in a minute of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, bless the reading of the scripture today and our expounding upon the word of God to your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, there's a lot of people today that are hooked on courtroom TV. I go back in history, my mom was hooked on Perry Mason. If you remember that show, my dad was more hooked on, he didn't want to miss an episode of Matlock. And Donna's dad, she was hooked, he was hooked on the afternoon judge show, Judge Judy and some of those. I know some people who are really into law and order. Uh, Donna and I kind of like bull. Now, what we do when we get into these court shows is we get involved and get interested because we want to see what the defense strategy is and we want to see what the outcome is. Well, today we're going to look at a situation in the Word of God. We're going 
going to look at the defense strategy, and then we're going to look at the outcome as well as we go to the heavenly courtroom as it's presented by John here. And the scene is made possible because of the fellowship that we have with Jesus Christ. I want to point out four people in this courtroom drama. Uh, number one, there is the judge. There is number two, the defendant. Number three, the prosecuting attorney. And number four, the defense attorney. We're going to, def we're going to discover the certain amount of guilt, uh, what the sentence is for that guilt, and how that sentence will be satisfied or paid for. So let's deal with what we're looking at here, and that's the subject of sin. He's beginning that in this passage. Uh, he kind of disrupts the idea of our fellowship to go into the idea of sin and how it's destructive. And uh, Romans 3 verse 9, I'm going to give you about three passages of Scripture showing the uh, disruption of sin. Romans 3 9 said, There is none righteous not even one. That means nobody's righteous, not me, not you. We can't judge ourselves based upon our righteousness. And then number two, Romans 3.23 says that all, A-L-L, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that includes me and you and everybody that's ever lived upon the face of the earth except one person. His name was Jesus. And then number three is Romans 6.23 that says the wages or the payment of sin is death. And that also includes you and I as well. Now, first of all, I want you to know we have a fellowship with God through faith. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9 talks about confession, believing and believe and receiving. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. God offers grace, undeserved blessing, undeserved favor, undeserved salvation. And then we accept it by faith and we're saved. And then we receive the gift of God, which is given to us, which is eternal life. So that's the basis of that particular verse of scripture. So we have a fellowship with God through faith. We also have fellowship or an intimate closeness through God as we draw close to God. James 4 and 8 again says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. When the fellowship breaks down, let's get a hold of God. Let's get close to God, draw to him and he'll draw to us. And that fellowship gets restored between the two. Now there's two uh, statements here of instruction in this passage of sin, in this passage here. The first instruction just absolutely blows my mind. It says, don't sin. It says, sin not. Now, how many of you have ever accomplished that task? Don't sin. You know, I like to say I've not sinned, at least in the last 30 seconds that I know of, but I probably have. But as a Christian, we have experienced grace, and grace is the undeserved uh, favor of God, but grace is not a license to sin. We're going to sin, but it's not a license to sin. Even Paul addressed that in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, when he said, Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? And then he answered, he said, God forbid. In other words, do we sin just because God loved us? Do we sin just because God offers forgiveness? No, we should not. Do we, uh, do we should do all that we can not to sin. We should work hard not to sin, even though it's a struggle. So he says, don't sin, sin not. But despite our best efforts, we sin because we're sinners. Now, there's two classifications of sinners. At least that's what I like to call them. There are saved sinners and there are lost sinners. 
praise God, I'm included in the saved sinner part. I've been saved by the grace of God through the grace that God has given unto us. So uh, now that we're saved, now that we're saved, will we ever sin again? Absolutely. It used to be amazing all the years that Don and I worked with youth. Uh, we'd get to some of the small children that would come and give their heart to the Lord and and receive Christ as their Savior. And I'd do a little follow up with them. And I said, Now that you have given your heart to the Lord, now that you're saved, do you believe you're ever going to sin again? And I could see a smile go across many of them's face, and they said, No, sir, I'm not going to sin anymore. Well, that's a great attitude to have, but I'm afraid that's an incorrect attitude to have. Just because because we're saved does not mean we're not going to sin, but because we're saved, we know that we have an advocate with Christ, which we're going to get to here. Praise God, I'm a saved sinner. Try as hard as I do not to sin, it still happens from time to time. Sin's a struggle. As long as I'm in the flesh, I've got three things to battle. I've got to battle myself. That's difficult. Because I'm just like Paul when he said there's a battle going on within me that, that I want to do, I don't do, that that I shouldn't do, I do. That struggle between the flesh and the spirit is going on as long as we're in this world. So I'm battling myself. Then I'm battling the world. The world around us basically has an evil concept. Uh, there's sin all around us and we have to battle that and we've got to free ourselves from temptation and we've got to keep fighting the world's system of sin. And then there's Satan who lays traps out there. It, it would please him no more than to trap a saved individual that would then bring a reproach against Christ Jesus. So we're battling ourselves, our sinful nature. We're battling the world and the nature of sin that's in the world and we're battling Satan that wants to entrap us and to make us fall. And so uh, with all that in mind, that big struggle that's going on, what's going to keep us away from sin? What's going to keep us from sinning any more than we really ought to? Well, only one thing going to do that, and that's a loving fellowship with Jesus Christ. What keeps me loyal to my wife? Love and commitment. What keeps us loyal to God? Love and commitment. Same thing. And we're encouraged here not to sin when he says, don't sin, sin not. And uh, if you enjoy sin, and you don't feel guilty, you need to have a spiritual checkup about your relationship to God. The Bible does state that there's joy or satisfaction in sin for a short time for a season, but that's only temporary. It will not last. The only thing that lasts is our relationship and our fellowship with Jesus Christ. So he says, first of all, don't sin. Then secondly, he says, when you sin. He says, if any man sin. When you or I fall to pray to sin, and we will, because it's a known fact that there's not a person in the Bible that I consider a biblical hero that did not sin outside of Jesus Christ. He was the only sinless individual human ever to walk the face of the earth. I had one man tell me one time, he said, you know, I, I, what I do is, I, since I got saved, I sin all I want to. And I looked at him kind of funny. He said, but really, I don't want to sin as much as I do. So I actually sin more than I want to. Well, that's true. But when we do sin, we have a defense attorney. He talks about it here. He calls it, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus the right. An advocate is a legal representative. He is our defense attorney. 
And our attorney is Jesus. He's on our side. He's going to defend us. I don't believe he's ever lost a case. I mean, it says that his whole goal in coming to this world was to seek and to save those that were lost. He came to save sinners like me and like you. That was his job. So he is our defense attorney, and he's on our side, and he is the righteous one as well. It says he is Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a true example of righteousness, he is the sinless Son of God. He's not a cheat. He is not a liar. He is not a shyster. We can't make jokes about our defense attorney because our defense attorney is perfect. He's got the proper goal in mind, and he's working hard on our case. He is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Also, there's one other thing. We have a satisfying sacrifice or a payment that had been made. It says there, he is our propitiation for our sin. Now that means, that word is hard to figure out, but it means he is the satisfying payment for our sin. Uh, not only is our he is our defense attorney, praise God, he's also our defense. So he is the substitute payment for sin. The only reason his payment is sufficient is because he is sinless. Only a sinless sacrifice can pay for sin, and that is Jesus Christ. And the payment is paid in full. There's no more payment that remains because he's the perpetuation as the perfect sacrifice. Our sins are thrown in the depths of the sea. Our sins are cast as far as east as the west. He is sufficient defense and sacrifice for our sin. In Hebrews 6, Beginning in verse number four. I don't want to confuse you, but I want to read that. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If, there's that word if, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Praise God, he saved me when I repented of my sins and accepted him by faith. Yet I, I really sin continuously off and on, and I need forgiveness. But he's not going to go back there and be nailed to the cross again. That payment's been made. If I were to try to put him back on the cross to pay for my sins again, then I'm crucifying him afresh and putting him to an open shame. I'm not going to do that. That sacrifice has already been made. The defense has already been put out there. All I've got to do is accept that defense by faith through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we die daily, that we come before God every day in prayer, uh, confessing our sins and talking to him and allowing him to forgive us of our sins and to strengthen us to make that fellowship every single day what it ought to be. So this payment that our defense attorney has made is perfect, but it's not only for me, it's made for everyone who will receive it. He says it's not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Goes beyond me, it goes beyond you. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth should be saved. That goes worldwide. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Whosoever 
will come. And in Romans 10, 13, said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are placed in the family and we have fellowship through Christ with each other because of that perpetuation, because of that sacrifice, that perfect defense that's been put out there for us. So Christ is our perpetuation. Now with that, this is what our perpetuation offers. Number one, our perpetuation offers forgiveness. Forgiveness. We're released from judgment because sin's debt has already been paid. Number two, we have justification, which means there's no record of the wrong. It's as if we've ever, never been, we've never sinned. Our record has been expunged from the book. You can't find it. It's not there. It's been wiped out. So we are forgiven. We are justified, wiped clean. Slate's been clean. And number three, we're made righteous. Not our righteousness, never will be our righteousness, but it's Christ's righteousness based on, not based on my innocence, but based on his. Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous, not a single person, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says that we've received his righteousness through faith in Christ to all who have believed. So we're there. He is our defense attorney. He is our defense. He's paid the sentence for us and the debt so that we can go free. Now, the, now, now look at this closely. The judge. The judge in this courtroom drama is God the Father. We're told that in this passage of Scripture. Uh, the judge there in his courtroom. You know, if we go to a courtroom now, the philosophy, and I don't know if this has always held true or not, but the philosophy is that you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Can I tell you that when we stand before God, we're guilty until we're proven innocent. We're all guilty. So it is a complete reverse in his courtroom. But he's not out to get you. I mean, he's not out there to pour his wrath upon you because he's done all he can to redeem you from the guilt of sin. I mean, he loved us. He gave his son for us that we might receive by faith. So this is the judge, God the Father. We're guilty before him, but he's not an unjust God. He's out to redeem us from our sins as well. Now, the defendant is you and I. We stand before God as a sinner, all guilty of our sin. So the judge is God the Father, and we're the defendant. Then there's a prosecuting attorney in this situation. The prosecuting attorney is Satan. The Bible describes him that he is the accuser of the brethren. He's always out to accuse you before God. He's all, he wants you and I sentenced for our sin. He wants us damned to hell. He wants us uh, under his control and under his power as he is referred to as the accuser of the brethren. So he's the defense attorney. Now there's, I mean the prosecuting attorney. Now the defense attorney here is Jesus. He's our advocate. He's the one that's making intercession before the judge for us. The sin has to be dealt with. Justice has to be served. And since the justice is that the wages of sin is death, we got to get justice out of this situation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, uh, The one who knew sin, uh, knew no sin, became sin for us. Romans 5 and 8 says, but, God, but Christ loved us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So he was still sinless. He took our sins as a sinless lamb to the cross and he served our penalty. Praise God, our sentence has been paid. I mean, the words of the late R.C. Sproul, and I love this. Let me read this to you. said, the most basic 
of all issues we face as fallen human beings is the issue of how we're unjust sinners and can hope to survive a judgment before the court of an absolute holy and an absolute just God. God is the judge of all the earth. Herein lies our dilemma. He is just, we are unjust. If we receive from his hands what justice is due to us, we face the everlasting punishment of hell. But praise God, because of Christ being our advocate, we stand justified, a word meaning as if we've never sinned before God. If you picture the heavenly courtroom like this, the judge on the, on the stand, the holy judge, the supreme creator of the universe, the holy God is seated on the legal bench as the supreme judge of the universe. The prosecuting attorney over here, he's making accusation. He says, you know, your very word, judge, says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, he is a dissenter. Your very word, judge, says that uh, the wages of sin is death. He is a sinner. Therefore, the wages have to be paid. He should be put to death. Judge, you understand that the Bible says, your word says the soul of a sinner must surely die. He is a sinner. That soul must die. And then he, he rests his case. Then the defense attorney stands up. He says, Father, you know and I know that your law says that the wages of sin is death. And you know, judge, and I know that your law says the wages, not only the wages of sin death, but it says the soul that sins must die. But Lord, you know I paid that debt. Hallelujah. You know I paid that debt. And the judge would look over and say, my son, you are correct. Judgment is satisfied. He can go free. Praise the Lord for the freedom that comes through the payment being made by our advocate, our defense attorney in his defense. All made possible because of our relationship with Jesus. All we need to do that we can have fellowship is keep that closeness to our defense attorney. Keep that closeness to Jesus Christ in all that we do. How are you doing on that situation? How are you doing on your defense? How are you doing with your relationship to your advocate, your go-between? How's your fellowship? We remain in fellowship by confessing our sins, allowing our advocate to plead our case for us and be declared innocent because of the payment being made by Jesus Christ the righteous as our advocate. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the word today and for the confidence of your word that you're there for us, defending us of our sins and being the defense for our sins and paying the debt that we owe in your death on the cross that we might be able to go free. In the name of Jesus we pray. We trust that God has blessed you with this message from His Word. Each week, these sermons are made available in video and audio formats. If you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday School videos, you can find them on our YouTube channel. Uh, just search in the search engine for Portland General Baptist Church. Subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website, free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org.
www.gbc.org. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.